Amen. Good morning, Central. It's good to be here with you. Uh, like the introduction that Tim gave me, said I'm Kyle. I served as the university minister here for about eight years and also helped with the missions ministry. And I got here early and was kind of walking around and just kind of walked down memory lane. And I, I was asked countless times, is, is your wife here too, Christine? Or did we just get you? And... You just got me. And everyone, for the most part, did a really good job of hiding their disappointment. Um, but on her behalf, my wife Christine and myself, it's, uh, I send you greetings from Charlottesville, Virginia. It is a town that's about an hour and a half outside of Washington, D.C. And so 13 years ago, we, we left with a group of central folks, college students, and we we started a small Bible study in our home, and it, the first one had 10 people, five of them were my family, and one of them was from Virginia, actually. And so from there, it grew and grew, and God has done a great work, but we have, we have brought so many of the values that are a part of the, the flow of life that, that are, are central, and we incorporated them elsewhere in a, in a very liberal town, and and it's worked. God's done an amazing work. And if you know me, you know that it's in spite of me. But it's worked because it's been about the gospel. That God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he keeps saving, and he keeps saving, and he keeps saving. And so we are thankful to be a part of this church. And, and so it's an honor to be here today. I, I love this church. My wife and I love this church. We are from this church and of this church. And so it is an honor to be here. This, this church gave us a start. And so I love this church. I love Chris Osborne and Peggy and the role that they have played into my life and my wife. That I am forever grateful to them. And, and so much of who they are still resonates and, and, and is a great work. And he's, I, he, he will never know how grateful I am for him. And then I also, I'm so grateful for, for Philip and Cammie. I, I love them dearly. I love you guys both. And, and it's an honor to be here to, to commemorate this day. You've been here a year already, but here, here we are. And um, so when I was the college pastor, I hired Philip to be uh, the university ministry associate. And so we worked together for years and both uh, he and Cammie became dear friends of Christine and I, and, and we've had so many great memories together, and we've stayed in touch, and I've seen his faithfulness to the Lord for years, for decades. I, I'm trying to do the math on how long I've known him, and I, I, it's somewhere around 17 to 18 years. And he's always, as long as I've known him, he's been passionate for Jesus, and he's also loved Central. So whenever we talk, we talk about Central and our times there and the good things that have come out of this church, and, and now he's your senior pastor, and so I rejoice over that. So I'm grateful for just the little link that I was been able to play both years ago and then here in this installation service, and so today three things are going to happen. Uh, one is I'm going to address you, Philip, and kind of give you a few charges and, and challenges in this time about and know who you are and know who you are not. And then also I'm going to address you as a church. 
and your role and how to relate to a pastor and how to support him, walk with him through things and then challenge him when necessary. And then I'm going to talk to all of you together because this is, this is yes, it's an installation service of a senior pastor, but also it is a time to shift in, an, in a forward motion that you're breathing and taking in air. And that means that you have a commission upon your life, individually and corporately. And so I want to challenge you to know why you are still breathing. And for you to be about the work that God has called you to be about. So we'll do those three things. Let's start in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. So Peter is talking in this little portion of scripture to, to elders. He's, he's talking to church leaders, to the pastors there. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, he says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for this day. I'm thankful for what you are doing in our midst, that you are on your throne. You are acting for your glory that is also for our good. And so in this time of installing a new pastor and commissioning a an entire church, God, I pray that you would be here with us in power. I pray for those who are already maybe inclined to tune out, that you would capture them and do a great work in their hearts. Guide us and lead us right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray and all God's people said, amen. So Philip, I want to give you just a few brief challenges in this moment. Things that you are about and that I pray that you will continue about. The first one is this. Know who you are. It talks about in this passage, Peter says, I'm an elder and I know what's coming. That we are going to be partaking of God's glory together. But first and foremost, know who you are as an elder and you are a shepherd. So shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So Philip, the people that are here, not your, your ideal church or what you hope it would be, but these folks here know who you are, that you are a shepherd first and foremost. See, what you have to understand, church, is pastoral ministry is a treasure trove of glories and deaths, joys and sorrows. It is hard work because he is caring about his own spiritual journey and you are thinking about yours as well, but he is also thinking about his own 
and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours as well. And so Philip, more than anything else, you lead the way by being a really good shepherd that leads the way by being a follower of Jesus Christ. That is your primary thing. And then love and care for these people. Do not be their accuser. They already have one of those. But love them and seek their good. So you're not a manager of a spiritual enterprise. You are not the CEO of a Christian organization. You are not an administrator of skills and competencies. You are first and foremost a shepherd. So you serve. And that's to be your task. So more than Dr. Bethancourt, be Philip the servant, Philip the shepherd. That is what they need more than anything else. You're a shepherd, and this passage says that there is a chief shepherd that's coming. And so you're not even a a big deal shepherd. You're an under-shepherd. You're a private first-class shepherd. You have one year of shepherding experience, and you don't get promoted into anything better than a private first-class under-shepherd. And so live that out. Embrace it. Because the most amazing thing has happened in your life, Philip. A absolutely wretched, rascally sinner has been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's the case for all of us in this room. And by his ridiculous mercy, he has given you an opportunity to serve a bunch of people and point them to Jesus. And so may that draw you to your knees day in and day out. And may it be more of Jesus and less of Dr. Bethancourt, more of him and less of you. Shepherds, they feed and they care for their sheep, this pastor says, this passage says. And so Jesus, he, when he looks around in this room, he sees people who are resplendent in value. People that he felt like was worth coming and dying for. And so these are God's people. So shepherd them well. Shepherd them because this is not, these are not your people, they're God's. This is not your church, it's Jesus's. And you are a mere under-shepherd of that. So that's the first thing. Know, know who you are, but then also be what you should be. And so it talks about here that it says that you are to be an example. Not domineering, but being examples to the flock. Because you at some point in time as well, you are just waiting for Jesus and trying to obey his call on your life until he comes back where we all receive a crown of glory. So, be who you should be. And that means an example it talks about in this passage in humility and holiness. And so Philip, be that example. So may Christ's likeness be be more apparent and visible in your life the the closer and the longer that you walk with Jesus. Because again, they don't need more of you, they need more of Jesus. And as you walk with him and you grow in humility and holiness and personal devotion to Christ, 
Like they will, they will see him in you. And that is what they need more than they, a healthy Christ-pursuing pastor is the greatest gift. And a selfish, self-centered pastor is a horror of horrors, inflicting damage on everyone, all the sheep in every direction. So be an example. And so pursue Christ, not for a better sermon, but grow because you need him. And to stop that is to forget who you are. And so pursue him with all your heart. Pursue holiness because pursuing holiness is pursuing Christ-likeness. And you will never drift into holiness. You'll drift into unholiness. And so your, your folks, this church, and they, they need you to love Jesus with all of your heart. And for you to rely upon him more than anything else. And when you do, they'll follow. They'll follow. They they will see Christ. And that will be compelling for them. And so when it comes to transparency and vulnerability, you go first. When it comes to sharing with unbelievers, you go first. When it comes to serving people, you go first. When it comes to discipling, sitting down and walking through the scriptures, Philip, you go first. When it comes to singing with joy, you go first. When it comes to living a generous life, you go first. When it comes to picking up your cross and following after Jesus, you go first. And so set the example for folks. Make sure that you surround yourself with with truth tellers. You don't need, you need true friends, not more sycophants. You don't need fans. So make sure that you keep company with truth tellers and that you don't punish them for the painful truths they have to tell you. you we all crave affirmation and validation and the role of pastors. It can eat someone's soul alive if they're not pursuing Christ and so, Philip, don't, don't try to be Chris Osborne. Don't try to be anyone else. You, be who God has called you to be. And, and you have been appointed in this role, and so that will be enough. But pursue Christ. Lastly, this will be very quick. Is Thirdly, is do what you should do. And so we know what that tells us. We know what the role of pastors are. They're, they're the proclaimers of, the God, of God's word in a, in a very public corporate setting. And then they serve the church by leading in it. And so a guy named, I'm going to colloquialize his name, Nick Zinzendorf. He has this great word about pastors. Here's what he says. Preach the gospel Die and be forgotten. And so, Philip, (laughs) Philip, my friend, there you go. (laughs) Just passing it along, brother. Man, it care nothing for legacy, care nothing for a heritage, care, care nothing 
about your name that, that might get thrown in the dirt, care nothing about fighting fire with fire, care nothing about controlling a narrative, care nothing about an authoritarian posture, care everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ and proclaim him, Christ crucified. And then die, and it says a crown of glory awaits. And so live for him and for his approval alone. And you know what that you're told to do. Acts 6, when things got super busy, a mega church started taking place in a few days. They were like, man, the leaders, we've got to give ourselves to ministry of the word and prayer. And so no Know what you're supposed to do and do the things that pastors ought to do. Love Jesus and love people by pointing them to Jesus and then get out of the way. And I want to tell you as a church that I've seen his faithfulness and his servant-heartedness over again, I think, 17, 18 years. I know him. I know what he has been about. I know that he has been faithful I know that he has sought to give his life for the sake of the gospel. And he's done that on a countrywide level. And now God has brought him here to you. And so when Philip, he, I don't, he said that when he said he's going to throw his name in the hat, we were talking on the phone. And he asked me, as Philip did, he, he put me on the spot immediately. He's like, what do you think? I was like, all right, here we go. Here's what I think. I think you have very little pastoral experience as being a senior pastor. And he was like, yeah, I know that. And I was like, here's what, here's what I know as well, that you will be a quick study. In the church, he, he will give everything he can to being an effective and faithful pastor for you. I know him. I know what he is about. I know who he is and what he does. And, and so I know that, that he will learn and he will grow. And hopefully this is the worst version of Philip as pastor you'll ever see. <laughs> that he only grows. And if you give him time, he will. And you get experience by getting experience. But he will be faithful he will love Jesus more than a title. He will love Jesus more than affirmation and approval of people. And I know that he will love this church in particular. He will love you well. And I'd say the same for Cammy. And you, you have in his wife someone who is joyful, kind, and willing. And, and she will seek to love and serve as well. She is not an employee, but I hope that you'll see her for who she is as well, and not just Philip's wife. She is valuable and a gift and a blessing to your church. The second thing is I want to challenge you as a church, so now turn to the left, not far. We're going to look at Hebrews 13 quickly. Verses 17 and 18. And this is how you are to relate 
to your leaders, not just your senior pastor, but your staff. They have not paid me for this. It says, obey Hebrews 13, verses 17 and 18. One of the last words the author gives to the folks he's writing, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So they have this incredible burden. They they think about church and you all the time because they are watching, keeping watch when you're not over the souls of the people here. And it says in this passage, let them do that. They're doing that willingly and joyfully, but help them do that joyfully. Have a gracious, submitting heart towards your leadership and to Philip as he starts his new role. Because you are going to have to always remember that these people, they'll be on a stage, but they're the same thing as you. People in desperate need of grace. And so give that to them. Give that to them. Don't take a critical and defensive posture unnecessarily that is going to inflict harm, not just on them, but also on you and the corporate church together. But it says, make it a joy for them to serve and lead you. And this is not saying that you have a free, that they have a free pass for intentional, unrepentant, and willing sin. It says, make their, when they're, if they're doing that, make their life harder, not easier. But know that these are not perfect people. They're folks like you and they need grace and they need understanding and they need compassion and make it a joy for them to lead you. See, they, they, when you leave church every Sunday, oftentimes you leave rejuvenated, refilled. You've, you have encountered God, you've sung praises to him, you have, you've done all that and you, you leave with a little bit lighter Step as you walk out. Your leaders, they leave exhausted. They, they, they leave tired. Because all week they've been planning and praying and hoping. And, and then here it is. And they do it willingly and joyfully. Wanting to be a blessing to you. Wanting to connect their Savior with you. And so how can you be an intentional encouragement and blessing to them? What does it look like for a church to really, really value one another, for you to see them? Because you'll, oftentimes people don't need pastors until they really need them. <laughs> and when you need them, guess what they'll do? They will come running. They did in my life. When we had a diagnosis with one of our sons that was soul crushing, Sherry Maggard came and run. She ran towards us. I've seen Jeremy Lewis run to parents and to youth who are struggling. I, 
I know Philip is doing that as well, as well as so many folks, Tim, all the folks that I served with, I've seen it. What does it look like for you to, to walk towards them and encourage them and bless them? And again, I'd like to return for a second to Cammie and their sons. What does it look like for you to be a blessing and an encouragement to them as well? To not see them and her as an extension of Philip, but as people who have their unique passions and giftings and desires. You are their church family. And so be their church family to them. Because you have to know this, she will never tell you this. But she and her sons, they're going to have to make sacrifices for you that, that you'll never know of. She, every Sunday morning, comes in as a single mom. And she will do things willingly and joyfully. And so I'm just saying, will you see her? Will you see her? Will you see your leaders as people? And will you think about what it looks like as a church to be a blessing and encouragement to Philip as a new young pastor and to all of your leaders? Lastly, I'll close with this. It's a challenge to the whole church. I ask this at every membership class that we've ever done at our church. And I didn't come up with this, but I asked the question, if you were a part of a church that you loved, not the perfect church, that's coming. You'll, we'll have that in heaven someday. But a church that you loved, what would that church be like? I want you to think about that and work that out. And it's always interesting in our membership class, we have to hear, and it's, this, it's really, it's boilerplate what people answer and how they say. And they say essentially what this passage says. If you quickly have your Bible, we can turn more to the left to Acts chapter 2. This is mine. This is my hope and dream for my church in Virginia, and it is one that I would like to encourage and exhort you to embrace as well. It's Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And it says, this 3,000-person megachurch broke out in one day. And they're like, what do we do? He says, here's what they did. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And so the Lord, he added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I want that. That's, there's rejoicing that's coming our way in heaven. Man, let's stretch that out into the here and now and let Central be a church that experiences this. May you be a church that as it talks about here, that you are centered around God's word and the gospel. Where people are known and valued. Where you seek him together. Where you see God at work in in your midst, where you see that needs 
are being met and people sacrificially and willingly extending themselves one to another. Central, is this your dream? And so I call upon you and I challenge you as a church, Philip, for you to lead out in this way, to embrace a a future where God is at work, continues to be at work in your midst. May it be so, church. May it be so. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that your gospel still saves people. And I'm thankful that you have brought forth a pastor who loves you and who loves your people. And I pray that this church would continue to thrive and prosper and grow in in devotion to Christ and in reaching the lost here and beyond. Bring about your good work in our midst. May your spirit move in powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I think that how this usually goes, if I remember correctly from back in the day, there'll be some pastors and staff up here in the front. If you want to be a member of the church, then now would be a good time for you to come forward. Also, if you want to find more about who this Jesus is, how you can believe in him, how you can be forgiven of all your sins, we would encourage you to come forward. If you just want prayer about anything going on in your life, those are the reasons by which you would come forward and talk to some of the leadership here. So now as we transition to a time of singing, I invite you to come forward.